0: i publisher of the Western Standard, and you're watching The Pipeline. Today is May 31st, 2023. E-Day, minus two. It's been two days since the big election. Uh, the UCP has won. But now what? We're going to be talking about the new shape of Alberta's political map. The UCP might have painted it still mostly blue. There's a lot more orange on it. And we're going to talk about the changing political geography and demography uh, of Alberta's political map now. Uh, We're going to talk about what kind of premier we can expect Smith Smith to be now, because we've seen different kinds of Smith. We've seen Radio Show Smith, uh, we saw Wild Rose Smith, Radio Show Smith, used to be Leadership Smith, Election Smith, and then Election Night Smith. We want to, we're going to predict what Smith we're likely to see over the next four years. Um, And we're also going to talk, though, about the future of the NDP and Rachel Notley herself, uh, the NDP... Uh, set a record number of votes for that party in this province, even though they did not manage to form a government. We're going to talk about the future has in store for them. But before we do that, we got to thank, as usual, my favorite sponsor, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. I've been a member of the CSSA for over a decade because I trust them to defend my rights as a firearms owner in Canada. Gun owner rights in Canada are under constant attack by the federal government, and the Canadian Sh- Shooting Sports Association is the most powerful thing standing in the way between you and the federal government taking your lawful guns away. If you're not a member of the CSSA yet, go to CSSA-CILA right now, or do like I do and Google it and become a member. It is critical that gun owners stand together and join together in a group like the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get into it. The UCP uh, had uh, a pretty good night. They formed a majority government. They've got a reasonably comfortable margin of seats, but uh, they did lose uh, a substantial number, Dave.
1: They did. Hi, I'm Dave Naylor, news editor of the (laughs) Western Standard. I'm joined here by our senior columnist, Corey Morgan. I'm going to introduce you. Just in case you were wondering.
0: I'll introduce these two hosers at the end of the show.
1: There you go. I'm sorry. What was the question again?
0: Uh, UCP won. They've still got a a fairly comfortable margin, but they lost a fair number of seats. Uh, maybe kind of set the lay of the line to just about where those losses were, where the NDP picked up.
1: Well, the NDP picked up mainly in, in Calgary, Derek, uh, uh, turning basically the city into half UCP, half NDP, uh, you know, cut in line by the river. If you're north of the river, you're NDP. If you're south, you're uh, UCP for the most part. Uh, the UCP won uh, all the rurals. So you basically got rurals versus two cities. It's Edmonton and Calgary uh, versus the rurals. So... Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, um, Premier Smith has no Edmonton representation whatsoever. Uh, we had a story yesterday that she's going to uh, uh, form a uh, Council of the Defeated. Uh, I assume she's going to take uh, Edmonton candidates like Casey Maddo, the former Premier, and, and some Deputy other Premier. Deputy Premier, and, and some other uh, well thought of candidates, and they will, they will become her Edmonton advisors. So, yeah, it's going to be some interesting times. Corey, uh, the
0: NDP path to victory was always very narrow because they're just such an almost purely urban party. They um, they picked up Casey Madu's seat, the one UCP seat in Edmonton. He's gone. There's one, so now they're back, like in two thousand and fifteen, to taking every seat in Edmonton. Um, and then they took out they took picked up a de facto Edmonton seat, Sherwood Park, uh, but they failed to pick up Strathcona Sherwood Park. Uh, big path to their victory needed to be winning the donut around Edmonton, which they won in 2015, but still totally, totally locked out of even sub- uh, ex uh, at Edmonton there, just not picking up anything. Uh, the only seat, when you look at the grand map of Alberta, you can't see any orange at all. It doesn't look like the NDP won a single seat because they're all urban, with one lone exception, where... You 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 hang your hat uh, in Banff, Canadaskis. Shame, uh, sh- shame, shame on you, Corey. I did my part. There's only so many. Only, only times so many. They let me in. You, they only let you vote a few times, <laughs> eh? Yeah. Um, but the NDP's path to victory was just like they had to sweep Calgary, um, and they did win just a bare majority, actually, of uh, of Calgary seats. Uh, I think like 24 of 26, something like that. Um, uh, But I don't know. uh, Do you think this kind of permanently upends what we think of Calgary? Because the the only time the NDP has won a lot in Calgary before was 2015 when they could rely on so-called vote splits between Wild Rose and progressive conservatives. Uh, They brought the Alberta Party vote behind them. But uh, what do you think this is telling us about the political geography of Alberta now? I I, I don't think it's
2: changed as much as some might think. As you kind of mentioned, the Alberta Party and the Liberals... They were always there and they were always kind of cutting things up and they were not a factor this time. I I think some people brought up that that was traditionally like 170,000 votes. That's more than enough to change a whole lot of the the outcomes and races across this province. So as you said, this is a high watermark and yes, it was was dearly close, a number of those ridings on both sides. I mean, some people said, oh, well, if the NDP just had, a, you know, an extra few thousand votes, it would have changed the whole thing. That's true. But if the UCP just had a few thousand votes and a few, they would have a big majority. eight more as well. But it was yeah. very, very close. But how are they going to capture more? I mean, there's a chance of the – as there's already people hoping that the Smith government will implode somehow in the next four years. But the, I don't they see – They are them, conservatives. They are likely to implode They, over they like four doing years. that, yeah. So, but the, there, there's not much – Else, more they can grab. I mean, the popular vote was still over fifty percent for the UCP. There was no other factor splitting the NDP vote. Uh, they had as good a leader as they've ever had and probably ever will, at least for the foreseeable future. I don't see how they can climb much higher after this. Plus, the the unknown factor of Smith will be gone by the time the next election, whatever it might be, uh, it could be that they know they don't want her, or it could if
0: she's just stable. I think for four years she'll recapture a lot of county. Um, Dave. Calgary is, I uh, was saying, it's split just it's pretty much 50 50 at this point. Um, now, that's, uh, now not, again, not quite as much as the NDP had in 20, uh, 2015 when they won, uh, but the NDP won a higher share of the vote than they did actually in 2015. Um, and the UCP, between the combined Wildrose and PC and the UCP in 2019, and the UCP this time, it's actually been pretty steady. Um, I, I guess, uh, well, we're going to actually, I mean, if we have time, we actually want to get into smaller parties later. But I guess the big thing is now, Just it's such a strict two-party system. Smith got uh, a higher percentage of the vote here than possibly even Klein ever got.
2: She did,
1: yes. But Klein... And Lloyd I mean.
0: And Lloyd. yeah. The difference is, And had one election where he won literally almost every single seat. The difference is, the, you would always have a divided opposition splitting up that vote. Now it's just, it's your blue team, or your orange team, and that's and that's it. Um, do you think this will maybe, perhaps change just how Calgary views itself as this conservative bastion now? That
1: well, I, I think that 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 view is long gone. I think we had the uh, what the twenty-eight year reign of uh, his purpleness, and he was certainly a uh, left wing. Uh, we've got uh, Jody Gondek, uh, climate crusader, to the tune of sixty uh, plus billion dollars. So I think the, the, the you know the. Uh, the stigma that Calgary is a conservative town, I don't think is there anymore. But Calgary certainly federally. Elected,
0: normally moderate lefty, not normally like Jody Gondak left. But Calgary's no. often had left. And, and the kind of thinking was, well, if they had party labels next to them, the lefties would never win at the mayor's chair. Sure. Now we're seeing, you know, the NDP and UCP, when their party brands are on the table, pretty evenly matched in Calgary. Yeah, if, and, and that's uh, a new thing.
1: If the, uh, hopefully the diversification that the UCP and the bringing in of businesses by the, you know, hopefully by the billions, they'll be bringing in oil workers and high-tech workers uh, who are not likely to be NDP supporters, but uh, uh, more supporters of, of the UCP. So, you know, I, I don't, I, and, and just the social problems that, you know, Corey has detailed in, on NASIM and Calgary, I think that they're only going to get worse at the moment. Uh, and, and I think that's going to take a lot of the uh, NDP sting away because people are just going to get fed up of it.
0: So I'm going to come back more to, uh, to geography again, but maybe the higher level again. Um, you heard you know, a lot of the legacy media. They were saying, oh, the, the UCP is not going to be able to be very representative because, uh, well, they don't have all the seats in Calgary. They've got like, uh, 12, like 12-ish, maybe up to 14, depending on recounts, but let's just say 12 seats in Calgary, half the seats, And, um, but uh, otherwise they're all rural. Although the UCP does have the entire donut around Calgary, so like Strathcona Sherwood Park, uh, what's his name, it's not Jordan Walker, is that? Well anyway, the UCP guy representing uh, uh, Strathcona Sherwood Park, that guy's gonna be in cabinet because it's a de facto Edmonton seat. But uh, they were saying that the UCP is such a rural party, it's got just one leg of the stool, but it's still, despite losing a bunch of seats, it still seems to me to be still much more geographically and demogra- uh, demographically diverse than the NDP is. The NDP is purely urban. It is Edmonton, it is generally inner and Northeast Calgary, and I guess uh, the weird asterisk riding that we, where you are from, uh, banff Ascus, where you've got, you know, kind of the, the Banff-Canmore kind of culture in it. Uh, the NDP just seems so locked geographically, and demographically, because it just has no appeal outside the two cities.
2: No, and, and that's, again, where I feel a little more, as you said, the high watermark has been sort of hit. I mean, they could potentially gain more ground in Calgary, but Calgary has room to move. The UCP can Capture more of Calgary. They've got room to expand, and maybe they could eke out another couple seats at Edmonton down the road. But the day that the NDP wins something like uh, you know Olds Didsbury
0: or uh, Grand Prairie or or Highwood is not going to be coming anytime soon. Yeah. So in the, in the for, for the NDP to win, like uh, the NDP didn't come. I, I'll have to dig in the numbers a little bit more. But other than Banff Canadaskus, which the NDP ever so barely, barely won, I, I think it, it is only technically a rural riding. It's largely kind of a weird urban, exurban urban riding. Um, but they didn't, I have to dig in the numbers, but unless I'm mistaken, I don't think they came close anywhere in Alberta, other Banff, Kananaskis, outside of the two big cities. They just, they weren't even competitive. Whereas the UCP was in a few Edmonton ridings. I mean, you could see them one day, maybe winning some Edmonton ridings, and a ton of Calgary ridings that the UCP were, were competitive in. Um, whereas the NDP, Dave, is just utterly not in the universe uh, of most seats outside of Calgary and Edmonton. And I, and I just don't see how they're going to have ever a reasonable path to victory unless they can become competitive outside the two big cities.
1: No, and it shows you how hated their uh, farm farm bill was, Bill 6, I think it was. Uh, it's not and, just that.
0: you got, like, Red Deer. Yeah, People in Red Deer, in Medicine Hat, in Grand Prairie, they're not mostly farmers, they're, but they're a small urban. And, no. and the NDP are just not resonating
1: there. No, they're not. And uh, how do they change their message without abandoning, you know, what they are as a party? Uh, you know, where their, their history is being. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to get to uh, Miss Notley later on, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, the only way they're going to change that is to attract a, 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 a candidate, a leadership candidate that that can be sold in those places. But uh, as of right now, there, there's no way they're winning in, the, in rural Alberta.
0: Well, I think you alluded quite correctly that I was maybe getting a little ahead of ourselves to talking about the future of the NDP and not Lee, but I think there's a lot more we can cover there in a bit. But let's talk about Smith for now. Uh, we've seen different kinds of Smith. I mean, there was, you know, the policy wonk Smith before she entered politics at all. Then there was kind of the charming, populist, right-wing rural Smith you saw when she was Wild Rose leader. Um... You know, then there was radio show Smith, real gadfly, controversial, likes to stir the pot, have a conversation, and then uh, and then UCP leadership candidate Smith, who was populist crusader, you know, pretty much dressed with a Viking helmet there to storm the gates, and then UCP premier and election Smith, which was trying to calm the waters and make sure everyone knows that she's not nuts, but election night she kind of. Rehinted hinted about, remember guys, we're taking on Ottawa, we're doing this stuff. In an interview she's given since, she has even hinted pretty strongly that uh, if Ottawa tries to uh, cap emissions that would be a de facto production cap on uh, oil and gas in Alberta, she consider using the Sovereignty Act, the big nuke. And we didn't hear too much about that during the election. Uh, Corey, which Danielle Smith do you think is going to show up over the next uh, few years? I think she can only suppress
2: the ideological Danielle Smith for so long. I, I'm not so worried about that too because I do believe a lot of her policies, if implemented properly, will show benefit if she brings them in. I mean, the, the health savings account could be very interesting and, and beneficial. Uh, uh, some of the the, the treatment based things for addicts. I mean, if those start showing results, it's going to look good for uh, fighting East Ottawa is always a win, even if you lose the battle. Uh, just got to wonder. My bigger concern is how Welsh the manager Daniel Smith is of the caucus hmm. of the others uh, and having you know worked with her to a degree with the Wild Rose when she was leading that, and I was in the executive. I would hope in her time out from politics, she's she's humbled a bit and realized that, again, if you lose the support below you, you, you it doesn't matter what you're doing. You could really, uh, conservatives learn that all the time. You can lose it all. So I'm, I'd be watching much more closely with how her internal management's going on than her policy right now.
0: Uh, Dave, I'm going to put the same question to you. Uh, I think Daniel Smith has generally <coughs> always been herself, but she'll lean into different aspects of herself and you know the you know where the the NDP was trying to shape the ballot question to be Danielle Smith it can't be trusted she's crazy so obviously she leans strongly against that kind of counter it trying to demonstrate she's reasonable and clear-headed um, but do you think she's going to continue more in that personality of just like don't really do much over four years just try not to rock the boat and be kind of quiet, or do you, think, uh, do you think she'll be kind of one of those genuinely transformative premiers that, you know, you are likely to see an Alberta police force, an Alberta pension plan, uh, an Alberta revenue agency, uh, potential use of uh, invocation of the, of the Sovereignty Act? I,
1: I don't think it's in her nature to be quiet and just ride out four years. Uh, I think Jen Gerson uh, said it best in her column this morning. She's either going to last 18 months or she'll be going to last eight years. Um, She's got a couple of big decisions ahead of her, including uh, a cabinet she's lost. She needs to find a health minister, because that'll be probably her most important uh, nomination. She needs to find a uh, finance minister with the retirement of uh, Travis Taves. But I think if if she's the, the premier that she says she wants to be for all Albertans, and has listened to people and, and will listen to the people. I think you may see the provincial police force uh, uh, fall away because I don't think the majority of Albertans want that. Uh, our own tax agency, maybe sure, uh, and certainly the fight against uh, Ottawa and Trudeau, definitely. And she said she's you know girding for that fight already, uh, as you said, Derek, in, in her uh, acceptance speech. So it, it's all to be determined, but uh, you know, hopefully we've got. You know, her not going off the reservation by herself, but listening to everybody around her and surrounding herself with smart people, which I don't think the last premier probably did to his best abilities. Um, the, we
0: talked about this a fair bit on election night, that the longevity of Alberta conservative premiers is not very long. Um, the last time an Alberta conservative premier... In Albert, uh, finished a single term. I was in high school. It was Ralph Klein 2004. And the last time an Alberta Premier retired without being pushed out by the electorate or their party was when the year I was born, 1985, when Peter Lougheed retired. There's nothing like this anywhere else in Canada. Uh, being the Alberta Conservative leader is a death wish. It's a political death wish. Uh, it might be a cool job, but it is not there for the long term generally. Eventually, I believe, at some point in our history, in my lifetime at least, there will be an Alberta conservative premier who completes a four-year term. It will happen before I die, I'm sure. Um, and I know it's an impossible prediction right now, so I'm not going to ask you to predict because events come. But uh, you, maybe we'll start with you, Corey. What do you think that the really big, maybe say two things, Daniel Smith needs to do to make it To the next election and be the first Alberta Conservative since 2004 to actually complete a term and make it to at least an opportunity to get re-elected.
2: Number one is listen to and genuinely respect her caucus. Uh, And you know, it was something she said on her show many a time. Actually, she said one thing she learned: if you've lost your caucus, you're done. If if that's what she felt happened with the Wildrose, even in opposition, that seems to have been driven home. She doesn't
0: even start with a ton of caucus support. There's a lot
2: of elements in that caucus that. Never really were her biggest fan. Potentially, but now they've just come through a tight election. I mean, they they shouldn't be too motivated to be trying to rip things down early. That that there's not, you know, the Oh, You haven't been talking to
0: some of these guys. Oh, yeah.
2: There's there's some discontent. Some of them will be trying. And uh, I I would just hope she can keep them contained because she has to. So so what's number two? uh, Number two is making sure something doesn't fire up in her right flank. Right now, the, the alternative parties, there's nothing to speak of going on over there but that's part of what really was the hindrance for Stelmack, the hindrance for Prentice, the hindrance for uh, Redford was this, this growing wild rose going on over there that was taking an element of them and, and a bite out of their policies and giving a home to the discontented to go towards. If they got nowhere to go, they'll grumble and stay in caucus. But uh, so she's got to make sure a fire doesn't light outside of her own party as well. So she's going to have mm-hmm. to juggle those two things and she can maintain, I think for four
0: years. I don't, like Ralph Klein, um, was always very cautious. You know, you, you can't govern on the fringes, but whenever he saw any significant stirring on his right flank, he'd, like tur- he'd turn like the guns of the Missouri, just, and he'd point some guns and blast it. He would do something to bring those people decisively back in, mostly successfully. Paul Hinman was actually first elected as Alberta Alliance in 2004, uh, Klein's last election, but he was always careful, to try and bring those guys back in. Uh, whereas I think his successors generally just ignored, took it for granted that there's, there's not allowed to be anything in my right flank. We're the Conservatives, for God's sakes, and obviously that was not a very good long-term strategy. Dave, uh, same question to you. What are the two big things Daniel Smith needs to do to have the best possible chance of being the first Conservative Premier since Ralph Klein to actually make it to an attempt to get reelected?
1: Well, of course, it's the nail on the head. It's all about caucus control. And I think if, if she can uh, play the Trudeau card properly and, and fight that battle correctly, then I think that eliminates the, the parties on the right, like the independence parties and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and those voters will, will, will stay with, with them. And if she can keep caucus under control, then in terms of issues, it's economy and health. If she runs those two files well, she can be premier as long as she wants. Because I think we've seen all the NDP can throw at her. There's not going to be secret, more secret recordings of her talking about selling off hospitals or... Oh, you haven't or, seen what I got. Yeah, um, see, we haven't even opened up uh, our, our closet yet, but you know, they, the, the UCP did their best, sorry, the NDP did their best to discredit her and they lost. And I kind of agree with what Corey was saying. I, even though they, there may be some UCP caucus members who aren't her fans, I don't think right now there's an appetite for another election.
0: Oh well, no, no, uh, no! There's election or and there's leadership, leadership. There's a or, difference or
1: leadership. There. Um, you know what? If you if you push it too many times, I know we've talked talked about it in the past. You almost look like an Italian government, you know, changing the head every two or three years.
0: But we do do that. I know we have been doing that
1: since two thousand four. And uh, to be honest, I think voters get sick of it. They, they want to see some stability.
0: But in every one of those elections since 2004, except for 2015, they have elected conservatives. And some have mm-hmm. argued, actually, that was the great trick to conservative longevity. Premier gets unpopular, kill the premier, bring in someone else, call an election. Everyone votes for the new guy. The new guy gets unpopular, kill that guy, and rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, but it's not the population that's killing the guy. It's the small percentage of no. party members. But generally, who vote. the
0: leaders they take down are unpopular. Both with the party and importantly with the general population when they do it. So I think that that's another one of the things that uh, for a caucus to um, for a caucus to turn on a leader, they're unlikely to do it. I think while the party's high in the polls, am I going to keep my seat? Yeah, okay. Well, probably continue along. Although a lot of there's a lot of ego stuff. Like, am I in cabinet? If you're in cabinet, you probably want to support the current leadership. If not. Or maybe you want a new leader who appreciates how truly talented you are and why you should be in cabinet. Um, so, but unpopular premiers are more likely to get taken down. But remember with, with Kenny, Kenny never lost caucus. He lost some of caucus and increasingly lost a fair, tr- fair chunk of it, but he never lost an outright majority of caucus. Caucus didn't oust him. It was the grassroots of the party and, uh, and new members who signed up who were, who were white hot angry at him that took him down in contrast to uh, Stelmac, that was Caucus. Redford was Caucus. Prentice was well, the himself and the and the election. Um, Kenny was not Caucus. That was that that was an insurgency of the grassroots. It Was very different, and and those two things often have very d- different uh, interests. The grassroots tend to be more ideological, more passionate, whereas Caucus. I mean, this might not sound nice, but it's more concerned about self-preservation and getting re-elected or getting into co- into cabinet.
1: Well, keep in mind, you had those what 21, 22 MPs that wrote that letter uh, complaining about the uh, the lockdown. Mm-hmm. You had very, very close caucus votes when they were talking about expelling Todd Lowen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more unanimous uh, uh, with uh, Drew Barnes, but but it was close with Todd Lowen. Mm-hmm. So. He he surely did not have the backing of all, or the full amount of his caucus. You know, he maybe had 50 to 55, 60 percent who would uh, support him, you know, and who knows what happens when you don't have to identify yourself in a vote where you're going to go.
0: Okay, well, let's let's talk about the future of the NDP and Rachel Notley. Maybe those things are going to continue to be the same thing. Maybe not. Um, So Monday night, Rachel Notley said that she is staying on as... Uh, opposition leader now she did not say and i'm going to be here fighting in four years and that's actually i think fair she does not need to decide that night rashly i'm resigning immediately or i'm going to be running for premier for like a fourth time in four years um i think i think it's fine she's you know alberta conservatives if they lose they have to resign that night that's over Uh, they don't have to go full prentice and like refused to even take their seat in the legislature. I, that was maybe a bit extreme, but NDP leaders I think are granted a, a bit more, a bit more leeway on that kind of thing. Um, she, uh, it's, I think it's a complicated question about if she should stay or not. Um, I think she's around 60 years old or so. Uh, yeah, Is 60, I think she's born in 63 years. Yeah, So she's around 60 years old, not a spring chicken, but also there's pop, many pop politicians who are significantly older, so you know, she's still got time if she wants to uh but she was first elected in 2008 and uh served in the two member ndp caucus then 2012 served in the four member ndp caucus and then 2015 was her high water mark as premier but then since then but she's now run for premier three times already as leader 2015 where she won 2019 where she lost 2023 where she's lost um i guess two-part question Maybe you'll answer the same for both, maybe differently. I'll start with you, Corey. Should, will, your best bet, will Rachel Notley fight, make a fourth attempt for the Premier's chair? And should she? If you are her in the NDP.
2: Yeah, this is a guess on my part, of course. I I don't think she's going to. Uh, I... She's doing it in a controlled way. She cares for the party. I mean, you don't have to step down that night. You Mm -hmm. can go six months, maybe a year even, just say, okay, it's time, and we can have a race and rejuvenate and do it in a calm and not as fractious manner as a sudden race. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because she's got to be getting a bit tired. I mean, you know, she's looking tired. She's put a lot in. And there's nothing more she could throw at the next race. If she could think of something, perhaps, I don't think she wants to run for opposition leader again. She only wants to run for premier again. So what could she do that would be different, even if it's a different UCP leader in four years that might get her over that line? And there's not really anything outstanding. We sort of covered that earlier. Likewise, you know, should she stay in? I I think for her own sake and for the NDP's sake, I, I think not. Some people keep saying, well, who else is there? Well, there's names out there and there's people, but the opening has to come. And they will surface, whether, I mean, it was a, a long shot speculation, but I don't say it's impossible for Nancy to throw his hat in looking at something like that. Or uh, uh, you might have Shannon Phillips or Janice Irwin going, well, a race with those three would show, do you want a campaign to be opposition or do you want a campaign to become government? It would be a, a potentially rejuvenating effort on the part of the party to figure out really what their path is and what they're going to go with.
0: Uh, again, I'm asking you both sometimes a lot of the same questions today because there's a lot of different perspectives on it. Uh, if you are Rachel Motley, do you think, what are the chances, you know, should you run and will you run?
1: Should she run? No. Will she run? No. Uh, I think, as you said, Derek, uh, I think she was probably a little bit shocked, a little bit upset on uh, Monday night. Didn't want to say anything rash, uh, even though I thought she might. Uh, she's going to take uh, her time and, and and make the best decision for her personally. You know, she did exhaust herself in the campaign. She did everything she could. Uh, she had no more to left to give at the end. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, so she'll. You know, the only way I see her to stay is if the party begs her, and uh, says, "Look, we need you. We got nobody else," which I don't think is true. So I, I think uh, after uh, in the cold light of day, she will resign. Uh, there'll be the leadership convention. Uh, will it be a coronation of Nahad Nenshi? Will it be? Uh, Janice Irwin will it be somebody that we're, we're going to in, talk
0: about replacements soon.
1: We haven't uh, thought of yet, so uh, mm-hmm. I think she's going to go.
0: I think it's most likely, but I mean, it's also probably the it's the best job she's ever had, short of being premier, I guess. Uh, and very possibly the best job she will ever have. But it's hard to I mean, it's not like the Senate where you can really mail it in But opposition leader. You could mail it in, but that means if she's going to mail in, you know, if she's just going to kind of take it easy. It means they'll probably lose seats next time. They definitely will not form government. Uh, but, you know, this is Alberta. New Democrat leaders are not expected to win 100% of the time as a matter of course. Uh, they're granted some leeway. But, you know, 2015, they tasted power. And they liked the taste, as most do. So what is the, uh, let's talk about, you know, um, actually before, yeah, you know, we're, we're gonna talk about this and then we're gonna talk about individual replacements because these, these two I think are, are, are related. Um, the NDP in most provinces and federally kind of views itself as the conscious of parliament. They're not supposed to win, but they're supposed to be there and be the really good guys and normally kind of force the other parties, namely the liberals, to implement their great, more aggressively left-leaning policies. Uh, and there's exceptions in BC, they compete to win. In Manitoba, they compete to win. In Saskatchewan, well, they kind of think they compete to win. And maybe they will again one day. But generally, the NDP is the third party. And it's there to be the conscious. Um, Do you think think the NDP is going to look at this and think, God, you know, we got more votes than the time we won in 2015. And we still lost. And frankly, if you look at the math of it, even if we got as many votes as the UCP, we probably still would have narrowly lost because this is Alberta and they just hate us so badly outside the two big cities and in Southern Calgary. If you're the NDP, Corey, you look at this. Do you say, why should we bother trying to water ourselves down? Why don't we just be ourselves except we're not gonna be in government and maybe we'll have a, a few less seats, but we could still have a big opposition caucus and really just be ourselves and true to our principles. Or do you think they look at this and say, so close. We can do it. We've just got to get the right leader who is perceived as more Calgary friendly, maybe more rural friendly, more moderate than Rachel Notley. Which lesson do you think they're going to draw from this? Because I, I, they could draw either from it. Well, I think all of them are having to make that personal decision.
2: I think the, the political thinkers among the member-wise all the way up to the caucus members know that that's, that's the choice they're sitting at. Now, they've maxed out. In their current incarnation, so if they want to
0: go for the big ring, they got to change something. Well, actually, actually I'm I, I to interrupt. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. To, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt, but cause there's maybe a third one. And sometimes conservatives often draw this, which is we lost because we were too moderate. We didn't inspire people to vote enough. The conservatives made that choice when they elected Danielle Smith. They went to the right of Jason Kenney and mm-hmm. said, like, we're losing because Jason Kenney is as mushy and we're losing people to the right. Now the NDP does not face anything on their left. But uh, I, I suppose the third lesson they could draw is we were too milk toast, We were too moderate and we need to be more, more lefty, more progressive because that'll inspire people in bigger numbers. And that'll put us over the top.
2: Yeah, so, it so won't put you over us. the
1: top in the rural areas.
0: I, I agree. What well, in Calgary maybe?
2: Well, I don't know about Calgary. I mean, I, I think if any of their pol- when they finally went to policy and put something out, it was the corporate tax hike and that fizzled. I mean, it, that did not resonate with people and that's getting... A little closer to their true roots somewhat the sort of thing they would go for as a ideologically more pure NDP. Uh, that's where I think the, the the big test for them to find out what they want to be would have the best route would be a leadership race where they could have two competing visions and their own members could choose that between a Todd Hirsch or a Nenshi or a Janice or, when the, uh, you know, or a Shannon Phillips. And then they really will get a measure of their own party say, look uh, guys, do we want to moderate, do we want to embrace some of these things the move forward, or can we sleep better at night just by accepting we're gonna be opposition, but we're gonna be a principled one that sticks to their core values and, and really hammers it to them. But nothing less, I think, than a leadership race would really help them all examine and, and
0: choose on something like that. So you forced me to kind of put that uh, that follow-up question to Dave, rather than ask him the same question yeah. again, but it's very much related, you could take it that way, Dave. Um, the leadership race is all ultimately gonna determine which lessons I think the NDP learn from this, I think uh, you know they could say Nenshi or Hirsch will be viewed as Calgary-friendly, um, moderate relative to NDP. I mean those guys are on the left, but I mean they're not—they're not wearing Vera watches. You know they're—they're they're a different kind of left. not Loyola. Yeah, yeah, they're—they're they're, they're a different kind of beast. <clears throat> they're seen as not explicitly anti-business. They've had real jobs, kind of thing. Um, or you have, you know, Shannon Phillips, maybe Sarah Hoffman, uh, Janice Irwin, where they're gonna go, and and some of them are maybe more radical than others there, but uh, they're gonna say, uh, they would probably not say, well, we're never gonna win again, so we may as well just be ourselves. They'll never say that out loud. Some of them might think that, but others might say, as I was saying earlier, we didn't win because we weren't hard enough. That didn't inspire people. We were just too boring because conservatives sometimes draw that lesson, and sometimes that lesson leads to them winning, and sometimes it leads to them losing. Um, you know, it's kind of dealer's choice, but uh, who do you think the big likely contenders are to replace Rachel Notley, and, uh, and what do you think each of them, uh, what were what, what the chances you think of them winning? I don't know we're really kind of handicapping yeah, a race that yeah. hasn't even theoretically begun.
1: But I, w- I will disagree with one thing you said, uh, where they've got no chance in, of increasing in the next election. I think they do. Oh, I think they do. I think they do, think they do. but it, it, it's all part of regeneration. You have to come up with a new leader. Uh, you have to come up with a new leader who, as you just said, uh, can hold Edmonton while just increasing a few seats in Calgary and uh, maybe a, a rural one. So is that Nahed Nancy? A lot of people in Calgary don't like uh, the legacy that he's left. Uh, a lot of people still do like him. I, I, I think Calgary is a strange city in that... that they're more progressive, but they draw the line at maybe drag queen story time for children. You know that that's a line that most Calgarians probably don't want to cross. But Janice Irwin would be, uh, you know, one every afternoon in in every school. So uh, th- she would offer the stark the stark NDP um, platform, mm-hmm. but one that would never get elected. So w- while she may run as and become leader of the party, if they do, then then. I think that kills any chance of them becoming.
0: They're going back um, down to the inner core downtowns of the
1: two Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Well, that's
2: what i was saying. I not saying there wasn't a chance of them winning at all. It's just if they stay the same as they are.
1: I don't yeah. Think. Oh, exactly. But but with some uh, regeneration a new popular uh, uh, leader that uh, uh, you know that can take on Premier Smith, assuming she hasn't imploded, then yeah, the, I mean the the chances are there. But as as with the UCP, they have to be very very careful with who they select as a leader. Make sure they got the right one that can appeal to uh, can appeal to uh, those Tory voters, conservative voters.
0: So uh, my show, I can add whatever I want to it, and I'm adding a section that I think we need to talk a little bit about. Let's give a little bit of time to the small parties. Uh, Let's give them some honorable mention. Um, In 2015, now 2012, the Liberals collapsed from being a significant opposition party and the official opposition to a tiny opposition party. Uh, uh, with like 10% of the vote and just five seats in the legislature. That was when Wild Rose took over as a fairly sizable official opposition. Um, Then 2015, when the, uh, yeah, it was 2012, 2015, the time the NDP won, the Liberals were reduced to like 2% of the vote and one seat, David Swan, an incumbent. Uh, And the NDP swallowed almost all the Liberal vote up. uh, By 2019, the Liberals were well and truly gone, zero seats, probably less than 1% of the vote, roughly. They digested them. But the Alberta party in 2019 had between 8 and 10% of the vote. Nothing, that's nothing, uh, nothing to sneeze at. This time, though, the Alberta party vanished, vaporized. In fact, by number of votes, the third party in Alberta is the Greens.
1: 0.8%.
0: 0.8%. And that was the third party, not even a percentage.
1: And the Alberta party, 0.7%.
0: Yeah, um, so I guess, uh, I don't even really want to spend time on the creeds. Let's talk about the Alberta party for the last time. The media are obsessed with the Alberta party because they just love it. It's this cute little thing and it, it deserves to do so well. It's finally dead. Uh, Corey, uh, give us the, uh, the epitaph of the Alberta party right now.
2: Well, finally, the feel good, we stand for everything and we stand for nothing party has gone to the political dumpster where it belongs. As you said, the the media kept pumping their tires as if they were a force and it would annoy me to no end at every election. And I, I understand up and coming new parties. I've taken mm. part in them and they've gotten somewhere. They'd but, only stand for boy, something. We'd be the official opposition and we couldn't get five minutes of airtime on some stations and the Alberta party leader would be there for five minutes and polling at 2%. So the reality has come home. Now, I, I don't know if they're gone for good. A registered entity, the right person can pick it mm-hmm. up perhaps and turn it to something, but they uh, will, <laughs> the, the conventional media finally recognize that they're no more popular than. Paulowski's little fringe party off to the side there. And oh, really you had there. to go there, so I, I
1: guess. Had to there. I they, they, sorry, I know what you're going to say, so go ahead. We're, we're
0: going to go there. So yeah. uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I, I kind of looked, looked through this. Pawlowski, uh ran a Congress elbow, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he got like 160-odd votes.
1: 167, or? I believe.
0: Yeah, something around there. Like Enough so, to
1: knock off a cabinet minister.
0: Uh, yeah, but th- that didn't even make a difference in elbow. Uh,
1: no, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Acadia. In
0: Acadia, yeah. Um, but Pulowski's party uh, across all of Alberta, and they ran quite a few candidates, but it was like, what, was it 3,000 votes across like... forty,
1: 4,600.
0: 4,600 across all of Alberta.
1: But after his performance at the legislature the yeah. other day, he, he, which is, should be must-watch TV he for... Swore, oh, God, it was good. <laughs> but he,
0: swore he is going to single-handedly bring down Danielle Smith. He has taken down the government. He is going to cost them this election. Uh, at best, it seems you can make the case that maybe they cost them Tyler Shandro who lost by seven votes where, you know, they had something more than seven votes there, Dave.
1: Yeah. And that, that's exact. Hopefully they go away and they're never seen and heard from again uh, because they were taking up, taking up too much oxygen on the airways. Um,
0: solidarity forever.
1: Solidarity forever. And, uh, you know, hopefully he keeps going and uh, feeding uh, feeding the street people and feeding the homeless because, you know, that's to be applauded. Uh, but uh, he should give up the political game right now. Because he's already been the head of, what, three parties already? Uh, so, uh, he started The, the Independence it, Party, and then they fired him? The and Independence then it, Party fired him. So I think just two. Just the two. Okay, well, that's yeah. that's pretty good in two of the weeks. Leaders. Yeah, the Alberta Party is looking for a leader.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. So uh, anyway,
1: hopefully we, he will never be heard from again.
0: Uh, Corey, we'll talk uh, a matter of expertise for you. I guess this is the last question before we go. The kind of the constellation of further right parties in Alberta. Uh, some of them had different, very different strategies. Uh, Pulowski's Solidarity Forever, its goal was explicitly to split the vote and kill the NDP, failed. And it's pure cult of personality, the party. Uh, um, but then you have the Alberta Independence Party, which fashions itself a serious party, got virtually no votes, couldn't field candidates, but tried to field candidates. Um, Absolutely nothing. Um Wild Rose Independence Party, I think intentionally only just ran two candidates this time to stay registered. And they actually endorsed the Wild uh, the UCP under Daniel Smith, tepidly saying, Well, vote for them this time, but like we're gonna be watching them and we'll be back if uh, we'll be back if, if she screws up. And then uh, who's I mean it's really but, oh and then Paul Hymond, Wild Wildrose Loyalty Coalition which is not a points card for the gas station. That is not a points card, I assure you. Uh, He tried to make a big show of it, said he was going to run like 30-something candidates, ended up running like some fairly
2: small... It wasn't a lot.
0: Yeah, less than half of what he said he would run. Um, Kind of general, you could pick from one... Well, you could talk about them all in aggregate, but your yeah. thought about kind of the constellation of small parties. And there is more. There's oh, all yeah, reform of the
2: There's Alberta Vantage, there's a there's bunch of shotgun blasts of these little parties yeah. all over the wall right now, and, and none of them have any traction. None. Uh, it's time for Paul to hang up his boots. And I like Paul, always have, but that's enough. You know, uh, in his own of Karsten Warner, where he's got a fair network and connection and name recognition, he pulled, I think, 300 and some seats. Uh, but.
0: Or votes, yes. Call him in for supermajority. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, there's just not an appetite for uh, an alternative right party at this time. I mean, some of them might want to try and continue maintenance, keep a skeleton crew, and see Mm -hmm. if it'll turn into something down the road. But it's not a factor right now for sure. And I don't see it coming to be a factor anytime soon. Uh, Basically, the thing that would feed that is if Smith starts tilting hard left. And I
0: can't see that happening
2: anytime soon.
0: A lot of people couldn't have seen Jason Kenney doing True it. True enough, I mean it's ha- impossible in Alberta politics, so you can't yeah. write anything yeah. off. Yeah, I, know I, I would generally agree, but if, if it's impossible, it will probably happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we got. Our, we're out of time. We're going to wrap it up there. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Nigel. Oh, Thank by you. the way, introducing Dave Naylor, news no, I'm editor. Not Nigel. You're not.
1: you're not. No, you just oh, called geez, me Nigel. Did I say Nigel? You
0: did. I think I said Dave.
1: No, you said Dave Nigel. Said Nigel. But you're not even we can, go, we can go back on the tape if <laughs> you want. I'm only
0: introducing um, Sean Polzer here. <laughs> Sean, Alberta reporter. Uh, Good to But finally meet Dave you and all. Corey are not <laughs> welcome here. They're not getting introduced at all here today. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if you're not yet a member of the Western Standard, go to westernstandard.news. Sign up. It's only $10 a month or $100 a year for unlimited Western Standard government bailout free content. Thank you very much for joining us today. God bless.
3: Here's an update on commodity prices in Lethbridge for today. Cash barley is down $2 at 4.03. Feed wheat is down $2 at 4.04, and corn is down $3 at 3.93 per metric ton. In the milling wheat markets, July Minneapolis futures are lower 11 and 3/4 cents at 7.81 per bushel, with local hard red spring bid for May movement at 10.47. Looking at canola, nearby futures dropped $7.60 at 6.5060 per ton. With delivered values per June movement at $14.97 per bushel. In the pulse markets, nearby red lentil prices are trading at 33 cents per pound, and yellow peas are holding at 11.25 per bushel. And in the cattle markets, August live cattle added 17.5 cents at 167.35 per hundredweight. For more information on pricing or picked-up options, give me a call at 403-394-1711. I'm Matt Buzikum at Marketplace Commodities accurate real-time marketing information and pricing options. Canadian Shooting Sports Association,
0: without the CSSA, our gun rights would have been taken long, long ago. These guys are on the front lines, helping to draft smart and intelligent firearms regulations and legislation in Canada, and more importantly, educating the public about how we keep guns out of the hands of the wrong people if you become a member, it's absolutely worth every penny. You can become a Western Standard member for just $10 a month or $99 a year for unlimited access.